that. Uh, you don't have the time, and I don't have the time, but I, I just wish I could, because I want to know, how was your week? You know, were you able to experience Jesus in the moments of your day like you hadn't before? You know, were you able to live life from Him? Were you inspired by His presence to want to hear more from Him? You know, I trust you were, but if you weren't, maybe you didn't think about it this week, don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, Last week we encountered Jesus by the sea, and today we want to encounter Him in the storm. But before we get to that, I want to relate to you uh, a story. You know, I don't know why things are always harder than I think they're going to be. You know, not long ago, a friend of mine said, Hamish, I got all these logs on my property. Why don't you come over and help me cut them up? And you'll help me by, by cleaning up my yard. And uh, I'll help you by letting you take all the wood home and you can have it for your wood stove for the winter. What a deal. We figured, as we talked about this on the phone, that I'd bring my truck over. I had this old beat-up pickup truck. And it wouldn't take long at all before we cut up that wood and filled it up. And, and we thought, well, maybe, I don't know, like an hour. Well, <clears throat> it took, took us a lot longer than that. In fact, we gave up on the project and he hired somebody to do the work this past week. Uh, I needed to pour a little concrete pad, two feet by four feet. How hard can that be? You know? So this guy is coming to do some work, and he needs this pad because he's going to put a piece of equipment on it. And I say to him, well, I'll do it. It's not a problem. Why spend money hiring somebody to do what you can do? So I built this, and it was a bit tricky because... You know, it wasn't on a flat piece of ground. It was on the side of this rock. And, and, and rock, you know, there's nothing to, like, pound stakes into. And, and anyway, I spent a whole morning, like four hours, trying to build this form for this concrete pad. My neighbor, who's an engineer, came over and looked at it. He said, oh, Hamish. Now, to his credit, he didn't burst out laughing. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, you need to get some rebar and you need to drill some holes in the rock here and reinforce it. So he gave me the tools. And the next day, I spent another four hours doing what I'm sure somebody, if I paid him 30 bucks an hour, would have finished in two hours. But why does everything take longer than I think? Um, you know, this happens to me a lot. Uh, I mean, what I think is going to take one day takes two. What I think will take one trip to the store takes three. Uh, and it doesn't stop there. It seems to enter into the spiritual dimensions of life also. I believe that someone who is coming to church, eager to know about God, wanting to read the Bible, participating in a small group, will commit herself to Jesus any moment. But it does not happen that way. Suddenly and mysteriously, she informs me in an email that she will not be coming to church anymore. I believe that two Christians, in conflict with one another, will work it out for the good of their church. That they want to be the first to seek 
forgiveness. The first to humble themselves. The first to allow Christ to have His way. And yet it never seems that simple. Christians, it seems, at least some, prefer their pain and their pride to the wholeness and joy that repentance brings. And I don't even have to look outside of myself to see this principle at work. Uh, you know, it's always harder than I think principle. Like at the beginning of this year, I felt like, I felt like it was a good thing that God was even asking me to spend 19 minutes in the mornings with Jesus. 90 minutes. That's less than a movie, right? How hard could it be? Uh, very hard, apparently. That's my testimony. It's very hard. And so, you know, whether I'm gathering firewood or trying to spend time with Jesus, uh, it seems that uh, life, even life with God and life with God's people is harder than I think. Now, I suspect I'm not alone in this reality. I suspect that, that you too have experienced this truth, that the pressure and the stress and the strain of this life with God and being on mission with Him is overwhelming at times. Life distracts us from what's really important, from eternal issues. We're busy, we're stressed, uh, we have concerns about a multitude of things, health, family, uh, work, finances. The future offers little security, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes it feels like the word that describes me is tired. Just tired. Weariness marks our lives. Some days it's not difficult for us to relate to Paul's comments in 2 Corinthians about being hard-pressed, about being perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. But I don't want to belabor this point. Uh, I want to not discourage you, but encourage you and inspire you. Uh, and so I want to leave the hardness of life for a moment. And I want to look elsewhere. And I want to start looking elsewhere by looking in the Scripture. And so I want to uh, invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, where we read the encounter that, that the disciples have with Jesus in a storm, beginning in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> the Scripture tells us that that day when evening came, Sorry, I'll, I'll wait. I can hear people turning pages. There's <laughs> nothing worse than getting there as the pastor finishes reading. <laughs> okay, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, 
quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want you to see, first of all, that uh, storms are a reality of life. Um, you know, I suspect the disciples on this day did not wake up on the day of the storm thinking, gee, I think at the end of the day we're going to be in a big storm and, and we're probably going to drown. I don't think they thought that. I think they woke up on that day thinking it would be a day like all other days. Certainly they had no knowledge of what was coming, that their boat would be swamped by waves and they would entertain the prospect of dying that day. Even as they got in the boat and shoved off, I doubt any of them thought there was a possibility because the Scripture says it was all of a sudden this furious squall came upon them. Uh, they had been on a boat in that lake often. Like, this is not the first time. Some of them are experienced navigators of the lake. So, you know, they've been in storms before. Like, they, would, they thought, even if they did see dark clouds, they might have thought, oh, it's no problem. Like, you know, storms, like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like, we've been in them before. But this one was to be different. In spite of their experience and navigation, that storm or their navigation skills, that storm still came. Notice, too, it came even though Jesus was in the boat. Sometimes we think that just because we're followers of Jesus, that somehow we're immune to trouble. That, that bad things and trouble will happen to others. Storms will come upon them, but it won't happen to us because Jesus and I, we're together. We're close. If Jesus is in our boat, we'll be safe. But that uh, was not the case. Jesus was in the boat with the twelve, and the storm came nevertheless. Storms are inevitable. Even when the captain is in your boat, they come. Jesus, prior to his arrest, prepared his disciples for uh, his imminent departure. They were distressed about his impending absence. He reassures them. Listen to what he says to them. He says, all this have I told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. For Jesus says, you will have trouble. But, it's a glorious but. <laughs> but, take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus tells them these things so they will not be surprised by the storms that will come their way. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. 
You ought not to be surprised, but instead see these storms or trials and stresses as opportunities for God to be glorified in you and for you to grow and mature in your life with Jesus. Jesus' warning is to inspire one, to endure the storm until its end. And that leads me to a second observation. It's this. Storms don't last forever. This isn't rocket science, right? Like, how long did this storm last? Not that long. They are reality, but they'll come to an end. And there's comfort in knowing that the storm or trial you face will not last forever. It's it's one of the reasons I can go to the dentist. You know, because I know... I'm sorry if any of you are dentists. But I, you know, it's just one of the more painful experiences of my life. The reason I can go is not just because I know it's good for me. It's because I know it won't last forever. If the appointment's at 10, I know by, hopefully by 11 or 11.15 at the latest, it's done. It's over. This is good news. And it ought to inspire us to remain faithful. The temporary nature of the, of the storm inspires us to hold on until the end. But it also inspires us to make good use of it while it lasts. The storm is not just an affliction. It's an opportunity. I had a seminary professor who taught his students, of which I was one, that in the face of trials, convert the question. You know what the question always is when bad stuff happens, when trials or stresses or storms come. We, we inevitably say, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? It's first on our minds. He says, don't do that. Convert the question from why to what. What, O oh God, are you doing in me? What, O oh God, are you doing in us? There's a very biblical basis for this conversion of the question. And it's meant to help us take advantage of the storms of life. Pain is painful enough. Does anybody love pain? You're not supposed to, right? Pain is painful enough, but wasted pain is worse. Don't waste your pain. Instead of wasting the pain of the storms in your life, you instead say, God, what what are you doing here? What purpose do you have for this trial? And then we submit it to God and allow Him to grow us in and through it. The witness of the Scripture is that very little is accomplished without endurance. Noah builds an ark. Not in a week, not in a month, not in a year or even ten years, but he invests a hundred years of his life in building that boat. Moses endures in his leadership for four decades. And then at the end of his lengthy endurance, he's not the same man because of his enduring. He's much more. He's a godly leader who has led God's people to the very brink of the promised land. Nehemiah builds a wall. 
and to see it done, he endures all kinds of opposition before it's complete. The Apostle Paul endures stoning, beatings, imprisonment, hunger, among other things, in his mission to bear witness to Jesus. And because of these people's great endurance, because they remained firm in their hope that God's grace would prove sufficient, great things were accomplished for God. And God was mightily glorified by their stubborn faithfulness, by their refusal to quit before God was done. What God's stories will be told because of your willingness to endure, to persevere in the mission that God has given you. What heroes of the faith will emerge from this time of trial because you refuse to quit? Ten years from now, at VCBC, what hero will they be talking about? Who of you will they be talking about? Because your faith, your endurance in the storm inspired others. The storm you endure now will not last forever. There's comfort in that, but a warning also. Don't let it pass. Before you've reaped every good thing out of it, let not the storm be wasted on you. Now, I want us to take our eyes off the storm. Because see, these first two observations, storms are inevitable and they don't last forever. Uh, the focus is the storm. And I want us to take our eyes off the storm. That's usually where they rest. And let's move our eyes to Jesus. We can learn most from him. You know, if I'm not careful, I miss out on the lessons I can receive from Jesus because my relief that the storm has ended takes all my attention. I glory in the relief of the storm and forget the one who said, peace be still to the storm. So here's my third observation. <laughs> Sorry, again, it's not rocket science. But it's true. Storms are better with Jesus. Have you noticed that? Jesus asked his disciples two questions. The first is this. Why are you so afraid? And the second is, do you still have no faith? The implication, like what we understand from Jesus' questions, is that they should not have been afraid. I mean, we take our cues Supposedly from Jesus. He's the leader. So if we, if we ever don't know what to do, we look to Jesus and see what he's doing. So we're in a boat, in a big storm. We all ought to turn to, what's Jesus doing? Oh, he's sleeping. <laughs> you know, Jesus isn't frantic. Must be okay. So the implication of Jesus', Jesus question... Uh, why are you still afraid? I mean, I mean, you're not supposed to be. In the past few days, they've seen Jesus do amazing things. Good things. Jesus has healed people of various ailments. But specifically, we have the stories in Mark of, of how he healed a man with leprosy. How he healed a paralyzed man. 
how he cast an evil spirit out of a man. Jesus has the power to do good and to come to the aid of those in need. The recent experience of Jesus ought to have inspired confidence in both his ability and his desire to do good. If you're going to help anybody, you need those two things, right? You need the power and you need the desire. Some people have the power to do good, but they don't have the desire. It's all for them. Some people have the desire to do good, and they don't have the power. And as much as they want, they can't help. They're powerless. They don't have the money. They don't have the offer. Whatever it is, they lack it. Jesus lacks neither. He has both the power and the desire to do good. And they've witnessed this. They've witnessed it. It's His grace and His power that He's shared with people that's brought healing and wholeness to their lives. Yeah, things look bad. You know, for their reality was things look really bad. Uh, we're going to go down with the ship. But I want to say, was there not one who because of his recent experience with Jesus would have been able to wake Jesus in a different way instead of, Teacher, don't you care? Well, we already know that's ridiculous. But don't you care that we're going to drown? Why wasn't there one who said, Oh, Jesus, you remember when you cast those evil spirits out of that man? Well, you know, Jesus, it seems like there's an evil spirit in the sea tonight. Like, can you just deal with that for us, Jesus? <laughs> like, couldn't you have been one? And maybe another one would have been, you know, talking to some of the others. Oh, don't worry, Jesus will get to, Jesus will sort this out. Instead, they're all panicking. <laughs> Do you and I not have various experiences with God where he proved himself faithful? Like if we were to add up the years of experience with Jesus in this room, we'd have centuries of it. And, and someone would say, you know, I remember when this was happening to me, and here's how God showed himself faithful. And someone else would say, oh, I remember this happened to me, or... This happened to my mother or my sister. I remember how Jesus demonstrated his goodness and his power and his faithfulness. We need to tell those stories. We need to tell them often. So fear is not given room to grow. We need to feed faith, not fear. Tell me the story of Daniel and the lions and his three friends, you know. Tell me the story. Tell me those stories from the scripture. But tell me too how God has worked in the past in your life. Tell me these stories and feed my faith in the God that is able. I believe that Jesus wishes us to know about uh, that storms are best met with him. They're best met with faith. Not fear. Our confidence in God enables us to endure all manner of trials beyond our own ability to control or to conquer. It is when we stand with Jesus that His peace, grace, and joy permeate our lives 
and allow us to carry on regardless of what comes our way. I'm provoked. Or another word, I'm inspired. By the question of the twelve at the end of this story, they experienced the submission of a furious storm to Jesus' word, and it scares them. And this is what they say. Who is this? I want to suggest to you that this is a question that's worthy of your reflection, because what you think about this question will determine your ability to not only endure in the storms, but to profit from them. All I would suggest uh, uh, that you reflect on the answer to this question before you get to the storm. Because, you know, storms are frantic times. <laughs> and, and sometimes we think better and more clearly prior to the storm. And it sets us up to embrace the storm well. The Scripture answers that question that the disciples asked that day, who is this? I like what Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and following says. This is about Jesus. Think about this as an answer to who is this? The Scripture says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and in invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created for Him and through Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to him all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I like what Jesus says about himself in Revelation. He says there in chapter 1, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. Who is this man that the winds and the waves obey him? We as God's people must live our lives in light of who Jesus really is. He's more than just your buddy and friend. You really need to figure that out. Who is this one? When the storms of life assail us, let us choose to look first to Jesus and place our confidence in Him. You will face challenges in your lifetime that are greater than your ability. I will too. But together, let us recognize the one who stands with us and is able to carry the day. He is the best. He's the most able. He is the one who is able to work all things out for our good and his glory. This encounter with Jesus in the storm teaches us that Jesus possesses 
everything that's necessary to save. He has the power and he has the heart. Do these realities not inspire you to release your fear, to let it go, and to embrace faith? Can you imagine what God might do in our lives? What God might do in our church if we were to let our confidence in Jesus reign supreme in the storm and overall? What would it mean for you personally if you were to do this? What would it mean for your church if you were to do this? What is your greatest fear in this moment? What storm are you encountering right now? Can you see the real Jesus? Can you see the one about whom the disciples said that even the winds and the, and the waves obey him? Can you see him and be inspired by his goodness and his power to trust him? And if, if you can see him, what adjustments will you make in your life to ensure that your confidence in Jesus guides you through the storm? What action will you take now to ensure that faith trumps fear in the storm? Let's pray. Father, I just I love this story about Jesus. Father, he's he's relaxed. He's not taken by surprise. He's completely at peace. The only thing that astounds him is that the disciples were afraid. God, may we learn from this episode, this encounter with Jesus, that your your desire for us is that we would encounter every experience in life with fear in Jesus, the one who's the beginning and the end, the one uh, for whom all must obey, wind, waves, and even people. So, Father, we pray that you would continue to work in our lives, that we would rejoice in the gift of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.